A new Loki trailer sets the stage for season two. Sony makes the first move to push back movies, and companies are beginning to hire for AI. That news and more awaits you after this. Plus some Ninja Turtles. Heroes in a half shell. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and on the panel today we have Jay Scotty St. Clair from Animation Deliberation. What is up, Jay Scotty? Hey, happy to be here. It's always a good day when it's uh, Multiverse News Day. Ah, well, welcome, welcome, my friend. Jay Sisson of Commute the Podcast. What's going on, Jay? I'm doing well. I'm thinking that the power is going to stay... Uh, you know, on this week that I'm not yes. going to, I'll have, you know, for everyone listening, I did drive to a McDonald's parking lot in the pitch black of night to upload my files uh, using their free Wi-Fi, <laughs> And, um, you know, so I'm committed to the cast. All right. There's a lot of unseen work that goes on here when your power goes out. There's that Eagle Scout dedication. Heard about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That's good stuff. That is good. good. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. And Haley Hobbs from Source Pages. What's up, Haley? Um, I'm here and I'm not that dedicated, probably, to anything. <laughs> I would just uh, like to make a statement of lack of dedication. <laughs> uh, McDonald's oh, Wi-Fi, not great either. Like, it, it, was, yeah. it, it creeped. It creeped. I meant to ask. I meant to ask, like, how long that took. Yeah, that at first like it, it popped up. Great. I was like, it won't be that bad. And then it was like 16 minutes. And I was like, Ooh. okay. And it was like 21. I was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to have to settle in. <laughs> I hate it so much when the bar is getting further and the number keeps getting higher. And you're like, oh, crap. The sad thing is it took me the same amount of time for my video file to upload at home. Oh, no. But at least you could, like, be in your house. You didn't have to subsist on fries. That sounds great. <laughs> it does sound pretty good. Um, I am doing a weird thing with my internet this week. This is not normally how we start this show, but it's talking about everybody's internet. But I found out a weird, the weirdest thing. I've told you guys I get terrible internet in the back of the house, and we live stream this show, so I've had a hard time keeping internet, uh, keeping consistent internet. It'll like drop to twenty megabods or whatever. Like it'll keeps like it swings wildly. And if the doors open, it's better. If the doors close, it's worse. So I was talking Best Buy talking to the guy, and he told me about this thing I'd never heard of. Uh, it runs data through your power in your house. Hmm. You plug in. A device at one end near your router, and you plug in a device at the other end near your computer, and okay. it has an Ethernet port on the devices, and it literally is running data over your the power in your house. Oh. Huh. I like to think that I'm pretty up to date when it comes to technology, but I'm honestly not familiar with that at all myself. I'd never heard of it at all. And then I mentioned it to Jeff and he's like, oh yeah, I've been using that for years. And I was like, Jeff, oh, okay. for two months, I've been using this terrible internet and telling you how ba- how I couldn't run power here, internet here. I think that's what Zuhair told me to get last week when I was okay. like, ah, this is taking 50 hours. But I'm not that techie either. They're called like power liners or something like that. They're really great. All of you guys talking about Powerline, all I can think of is the Goofy movie. So let's move on if we're not going to sing the song. Stand out yeah, yeah, let's above sing the, song. the crowd, <laughs> even if you got to shout out loud. Nice. Sorry, I fucking love Powerline. Um, <laughs> As you should. I have a shirt. Maybe next week I'll wear the Powerline shirt. Um, okay. 
Let's start the show. Let's get to the news. Marvel Studios gave us a Monday morning treat, releasing the first official trailer for Loki Season 2. We see Tom Hiddleston's main character race against time in an attempt to save the timeline from the Kang variant, Victor Timely. Also, Sylvie, Mobius M. Mobius, Ravana Renslayer, and Hunter B-15. Does our favorite god of mischief stand a chance to fix the fallout from season one and find that glorious purpose? I don't know if I can say too much when it comes to speculation about where this season is going. I think we got some tidbits with that this trailer, but I got to say, like, I think this trailer was a damn near perfect trailer. It did exactly what it needed to do. It got me fully on board. I was already excited for Loki season two. Loki season one was one of the best Disney Plus shows we've had so far. And this just looks like a complete and total return to form while pushing the envelope, uh, just getting to see all our favorite players back and uh, Natalie Holt returning, uh, composing the score. It's just this really otherworldly score that like totally sells you on this kind of time mystery that we're going through. So um, all of that came together to make like a, a super exciting trailer for me. And I think they played it really smart by still showing us that Jonathan Majors will be appearing as King. I don't think that was ever really in question, knowing how far along the, the show was in production, but just getting an idea of, like, they're not really going to buck around the fact that he is the, from what I gather, the primary antagonist at this point. So, yeah, I came mm-hmm. away pretty excited for it. And uh, when it comes to Secret Invasion, I think that's it's interesting that the meta-commentary around this trailer has been more so about, like, what kind of impact it had on your reception to the Marvel Cinematic Universe coming off of Secret Invasion. And uh, for me, I was disappointed with Secret Invasion, but I, I won't get into that. I was never off board with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but this this does really excite me that this is going to be the next property that we're getting. I just imagine that somebody was like, hurry up and get the, get the Loki trailer. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. <laughs> yeah, because sure. of the backlash from Secret Invasion. And right. I didn't, I loved five episodes of Secret Invasion and I, hated the sixth and so yeah this was very much a palate cleanser and Mm. i'm looking forward to loki season two kind of maybe to get us on the right track again in the mcu i'm not one of these who's gonna say i'm done with the whole um the whole mcu because of one kind of bad property and it even the whole property isn't bad it was just it ended poorly and um so yeah i'd say hey they were like let's give everybody some hope and it looks it looks really great. It looks yeah. like we're going to be right back into the same environment and vibe that it gave us in the first season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the core, I think, issues that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has right now is just it does feel, especially throughout Phase 4, it feels a little disconjointed. Uh, the mm. stories feel very big for themselves, but they don't necessarily feel big for the universe. So you'll have like things happen that are very large, and you know, you've got celestials coming up out of the ocean, and you've got like <laughs> vibranium mm-hmm. wars, and you've got like you know, these like giant things, but they don't really feel big in the universe, you know. And so there's not that referential kind of between properties that we're used to seeing from the MCU. You've got a lot of open threads, a lot of new characters, and I think all of that is really bogging down the the property as a whole. And I don't know if that's old leadership uh, under Bob Chapek. I don't know if that's just trying to fill out Disney+. Plus. I don't know what any of that is. Uh, it comes down to it's probably a little bit of a lot of things. But ultimately, sure. while I was watching this trailer, which uh, I agree was a fantastic trailer, um, showed us just enough. I don't even need to see another trailer. Like, I'm, I'm in. Right. You know, it looks great. Mm-hmm. But I kept thinking about how this show is carrying a lot. Like, whether it wants to or not, it is carrying a lot. Because a lot of the discourse around Phase 4, you know, you got Thor, Love, and Thunder was not super well received 
quantum mania, same thing, secret invasion, same thing. Like, so there's kind of a slowdown in momentum and Loki's coming to us at this time where I think it, Loki season one is the best Marvel show. Um, it's, I think WandaVision's right there with it, but like it it felt complete. It, It was interesting. It was conversational. And so Loki season two, it's got a lot of heavy lifting to do. It's got a kind of pull people in a way into this property again and get them excited about shows again and get them excited about Disney plus and the expansion of the universe through that medium. So, um, there's just a lot at stake uh, with this new writer, new director. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot going on here that, uh, that it's going to have to deliver on. Yeah. Loki season one sits in such an interesting place in the MCU, because I think a big part of the problem was the MCU and the thing that secret invasion really highlighted for a lot of people at least for me, is the inherent problem with a cinematic universe. And that is finding the balance between the story you're telling in the thing versus the story that happens next. And like, it was like mm-hmm. Secret Invasion is, has five episodes about this story. And it did. they did the same thing with Hawkeye. They did the same thing with a lot of shows where it's like five episodes of one story. And then the last episode, let's just like... It feels like diverting the entire thing to tell a different different story. Sure, you put little bow ties on your story, but like you divert to to, to and it it just leaves you feeling unsatisfied. Yeah, and that is the inherent tension, and it's been it's been there since the beginning. But they've to me they've always threaded the needle. And if you know Haley, you kept saying how good the show was the first five episodes, and I agree with you, and that's what makes me so mad. I don't think I'd be mad. There's been a lot of like middling Marvel shows that are like that was pretty good, and I didn't expect the ending to blow me away. But that show was so good that I want to riot because the ending didn't live up to what they had done up until then, you know. Um, and that's I think what's what made that one so rough for people, and definitely for me. I, I felt really upset. But what's interesting about Loki, because it's literally outside of time, like, yes, it had this huge impact. The, the end of season one had a huge impact on the multiverse. It opened up the multiverse. But so it feels big. It feels epic. It feels like consequential, but it also doesn't have to follow anyone's rules and doesn't have right. to care about the next thing, because in many ways, like whatever Loki does can be happening on a different timeline outside the timeline in the TVA. It's just such a different story and in a different place. And I think it avoids a lot of the pitfalls of what, you know, I think secret invasion succumb to. Jay's point about it doing heavy lifting is a good one. And it did that in the first season too. I think when it was released, I believe Kevin Feige said, this is setting the stage for the entire multiverse saga and that's a big lift for just a a show um Mm -hmm. but it they did such a good job in that first season of doing the thing where you're being led along and you're wondering what's going on but still wrapping it up wrapping up the things you needed to know by the end of the show but still leaving room for more and Mm. all secret invasion did was leave room for more and if you're not going to do a one season limited series like a WandaVision, then you you can't leave us with 55 billion questions left unanswered in the story. And that was mm-hmm. my, at the end of the day, that's like my biggest gripe with it. Um, and so hopefully, like Jay said, with the director changing and the writer changing, we get the same quality we got with season one, because that'd be my only 
kind of trepidation going into season two of Loki. And I need Loki to like bring some cohesion too, because I, I kind of talked earlier about it feeling disjointed, like even the properties and ideas that they share in common, like the multiverse are disjointed. So you've mm-hmm. got the Loki take on the multiverse. You've got the no way home thing. You've got the WandaVision. You've got all these like multiverse things, the Dr. Strange things, and they don't necessarily agree. Like who broke the multiverse, you know, or did it break the multiverse? Like, I don't know the answer to that question. Like Batman and the flash uh, explained it with spaghetti a lot better in like 30 seconds than I feel like Marvel's done in all of phase four. Like the multiverse just feels very confusing to me and it's hard for me to keep up with kind of what they're doing. And I'm looking to Loki to kind of like pull a lot of these concepts together and kind of put these properties on the same page and kind of like use the TVA or use Loki or whatever to try to kind of bring a little bit more into focus of what's going on with the multiversal villain and the multiverse in general. I do think knowing some of the talent that is attached behind the scenes kinds of kind of gives credence to that point and gives me hope that it's all going to like we're going to see the thread connected because I think you look at Matt Shackman who was showrunner for the first uh, for WandaVision and he's doing the Fantastic Four now and then I think Michael Waldron he might be the connective tissue between WandaVision Multiverse of Madness and and Loki season 1 and 2 so and you know I think the reception to Multiverse of Madness is a little more divisive but for me I, it was one of my favorite entries of uh the later phases here. So that's encouraging to me, especially knowing that like, you know, we're gearing up towards secret wars as far as we know at this point and incursions Mm -hmm. are still like the big threat that's out there. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Up next, our fears have come true with the news that Sony has already made the decision to push Craven the Hunter and the untitled Ghostbusters afterlife sequel to 2024 release dates while beyond the spider verse our beloved, is delayed indefinitely. We reported on the possibility last week, but this is the first taste of movie release dates changing. At the same time, Sony announced 2024 release dates for Venom 3, Bad Boys 2, and Madam Web. It's a scary-looking horizon for moviegoers and theaters in the near future. Can we expect a deluge of news like this coming soon? <laughs> Okay, so the first thing I thought of when I saw this news was all the people who really hated the Craven the Hunter trailer are going to be super happy, <laughs> which is terrible. Um, but it was the first thought that popped in my head. You're like, the trolls are fed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we called it, it's happening, um, and it wasn't Warner Brothers, like the, t- the tidbit we talked about last week, it was Sony. And Sony has a big slate to push back, so I'm kind of not surprised to hear that it's it's them, but... The biggest bummer here is Spider-Verse, because dang, mm. we were already told yeah. this year, and then they were like, no, next year. Now we don't even know when it's going to come out. Eek. Oh, I'm so sad. Um, mm. But my big concern is, yeah, this is going to start to snowball, and we're going to see Warner Brothers do this. We're going to see Lionsgate and Disney and all those other distributors pushing our films out. And what are we going to do if we can't see Dune 2 this fall? Are you kidding oh, right. me? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I. I, I think it's really interesting. I, I this is why you should listen to this show, you guys. Watch this show because some I think one of the J's, either J's guy or J. <laughs> one of you guys were pointing out this like I don't know four months ago. We were talking about Spider Verse and the stage of production it was in, and I think it's still they're still doing the voice acting or whatever. Yes. and like they're still recording voice for it. 
And so you were, they had, everyone was speculating or they had announced at some point it was coming out next year, Spider Beyond the Spider Verse. And one of you guys was like, no, it's not. It's just not. <laughs> so, like, I don't even think this has to do with the strike. I think this is probably, like, this was never, Spider Verse was never going to come out next year. And it's just always been like, we're not really sure when this is coming out. I, I think they, I think they, Thinking the next one was coming so soon is part of the reason why the second one was so successful, though. Like, I think that was a smart business move, but I don't think they ever sure. intended to be able to make it within a year. Yeah, I'm getting some strong, like, 2026 vibes from the mm. next Spider-Verse mm. movie. Oh my God. <laughs> it just seemed like they were so far away, and then for this to happen and set it even further back, and we have no idea how long these strikes are going to go on. You're starting to see the politicians get involved. Like, I saw a big thing from, like, Gavin Newsom just being like, I'm going to get in there and fix this and mediate mm. it and all this type of stuff because <laughs> we need this in California. And, you know, so you're already you're starting <laughs> to see that happen. Like, it's getting messy. So you got, um, the, did you see the story about like, uh, I think it was one of the studios, Warner Brothers, something like trimming all the trees or whatever. So the, yeah. prote- the protesters couldn't have shade, like couldn't have sh- uh, to stand under, like that's a, those are shots fired, you know, like, so you've got, uh, you've just got. I mean, we've said it over and over. The longer it goes on, the longer you're going to feel the impact. And it's going, that gap of content is just going to get bigger and bigger every day that the strike goes on. So um, we just, you know, we're just going to keep throwing stories like this at you every week if the strike continues. Well, I'll pop back in real fast to say um, the main theaters I go to here in my town are owned by Regal. And Regal just got out of bankruptcy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now if all these movies get delayed i'm like oh my god what are gonna happen to the movie theaters again this is like yeah. COVID all over again and that's kind of unfortunate to think about for sure yeah there, there was huge speculation during COVID that like theaters weren't going to be able to survive this mm. they barely did i mean by the mm-hmm. skin of their teeth yeah the theaters are going to exist and if they if they crash someone's probably just going to buy up and it'll probably just get like merged together with one theater chain but like yeah, we're going to lose some local theaters and stuff if things start getting pushed back more because we've already lost theaters to the to COVID and it's just getting harder and harder out there for them, especially with all these movies just not making money, uh, except for Barbie and Oppenheimer, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think all the uh, all the points as far as like the Sony pushbacks and, and getting release dates has been covered pretty thoroughly. But the thing that kind of sticks out to me, and Haley, you mentioned Dune, so of course I'm going to take the opportunity to like talk about Dune, but also this notion of like, what are the theaters going to do to survive? And um, I read a um, like anecdotal, anecdotal rather story from one of the executives that works for IMAX, and he basically came out and said how unlikely he thinks it is that Dune will get pushed because it apparently has like a guaranteed six weeks of release in IMAX. And like there, are, there's talk about how it's relatively, it's going into the box office relatively unchallenged. Like its only real competition will be the Marvels which uh, will be in its second week. And as we've seen with Marvel movies as late as of late, like most of the, the diehard audience, they're going that opening weekend and you see a pretty steep drop off in the like upper 60s to 70% range drop. So um, yeah, just wanted to bring that to the table. And I really, I, I hope all of those factors, like I still, you know, I support the strikes and I want the, uh, the, the creators to get what they deserve, but I also can't help but hope that uh, that bodes well for me getting to see 
Dune Part Two sooner rather than later. Mm. Yeah, a lot of these movies just really need their casts. Their casts are top heavy in talent. Uh, Dune is a great right. example, and they they just they need that cast to be out there uh, promoting the movie. It almost makes me wonder if they've recorded a lot of stuff in the lead up to the strike, like uh, mm. sit downs or interviews or something that they could use if they theoretically wanted to release it on time. But yeah, I mean these are uh, these are uncertain times. That would have been smart. But I wonder if the actors would play ball with that. And like, yeah. would that almost be a form of scabbing if you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just pre tape this so you can play it, you know, interviews ahead that I pre recorded for this? I've seen some stuff that I've seen actors in that I think was pre recorded. So I think there is some precedent for that that's already happened. Okay. Mm. Interesting. And anyway, we've got a little more uh, box office talk coming. So I'll, I'll move on to the next story here. Um, Amid the ongoing Hollywood strikes, their strikes are just all over the news, guys. Uh, studios are <laughs> quietly going on a hiring spree for AI specialist jobs. Netflix is hiring a $900,000 a year AI project manager. Disney is hiring a generative AI specialist and a machine learning engineer. And Sony is hiring an AI ethics expert. AI has been donning the entertainment news due to the writers and actors' strikes and the general concern over it replacing the need for humans. Who's ready to welcome our robot overlords? <laughs> hey, you know, after Bob Iger uh, did his great villain reveal that you all covered a couple uh, weeks ago in relation <laughs> to the strike, the studios are just going all in. They're like, well, if we're going to be the bad guys, like we might as well do it with uh, with some AI. So, yeah, not a good look, obviously. Um, this, uh, this is a terrible look for studios to completely double down and triple down on expanding, not just rolling back, but expanding AI, which is a huge sticking point in the middle of this strike that has to be resolved in some way if it's ever going to get resolved. I'm wondering if it's a threat. Yeah. Like if this isn't even really what their direction is, but they're like, you guys better make a deal with us. We can replace you with robots. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we'll make an even worse deal and we'll use AI for more things. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I wonder if there's like some sort of like, yeah, we got AI scabs. They're coming in. You better come to work. <laughs> I actually disagree agree a little bit that it's a bad thing it depends on what they're hiring them to do so like it says mm -hmm. that sony is hiring somebody to be an ai ethics person like right. Right, that's yeah. a good move that's a good yeah. pr move that's somebody who's thinking ahead like well and we've talked about this we all know this is going to be part of everything moving forward so you might as well start to get the train on the tracks with somebody at the front who says oh no we're going to protect your integrity we're going to you know we think we're going to put our arms around the AI robot and it'll love us and listen to us. And when it revolts <laughs> against you, you know, your ethics specialist is going down the drain first, probably. But um, that's, but I think it's proactive depending on what kind of, I, I think as long as they're not hiring these people to just be like, yep, just take over and have them write everything and act everything and say everything. I think it's actually a, a fairly shrewd business move. I just had a vision of a story where like the AI is the Joker and the ethics person is like his Harley Quinn. And like <laughs> over, over the, over the, over the course of working with the AI and like it turns, it turns the uh, ethics expert into his uh, villainous ally. <laughs> I think so. See it happening. <laughs> uh, you're not a part of the guild. If you want to write it, go for it. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> I often wonder, you know, we haven't talked about this at all. We talk a lot about the, the business of this. 
But I often wonder, I know you're not supposed to write during the strike, or at least you're not supposed to write for the studios. Right. But like, I often wonder if we'll get a creative boost after a time like this, because a lot of these writers have been like working for the studios, trying to make their money, trying to like make the next thing and always trying to get in a writer's room. And then you've got like, I mean, you got seven, eight weeks as a writer with nothing to do. Like, I mean, sure you're striking, but like all this time, like I'm wondering if some of that pent up creativity and pent up like individuality and making some stories that maybe wouldn't have ever come about if the writer's strike hadn't happened, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe they're writing in secret. <laughs> I always wonder that like, is, uh, is James Gunn sitting there, you know, and he's, he's having his morning coffee and he's staring out the window and he's like, you know, I had a line that I put in Batman brave and the bold that doesn't really work. Maybe I think I need to change that or something. Like it, it, you always wonder like, oh, yeah. is our things mm-hmm. still changing? And then he's wondering, should I post that on threads? <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, I, I just, I, you know, the writers are still writing. I like, I, I don't know as, as a creative person, like if, if I'm not going to be able to make music for a studio, I'm still going to make music or whatever. Like I'm going to, or if I can't get gigs to make music, I'm still going to be making music on my own time. Of course. And like, yeah. Yeah. if, especially like with James Gunn, for instance, I can't, maybe he's not sitting in a room with other writers. Cause that would be a little gauche, but like, he's gotta be like toiling over his brain. Like what's oh, next sure. His characters and what's going on like and you know sometimes when you stop looking at something it's like when you stop looking for something in your house you find it um mm. it's like sometimes when you can't crack a story you stop thinking about it that's when the answer comes to you or, or a lyric or whatever and i'm wondering how much of that is going on right now how many genius yeah. moments are happening in these writers heads that they're just waiting to put to paper when they get back to their jobs or whatever I fully support the silver linings mentality and and finding the optimism and the positivity because i think i've even understanding like the weight and and seriousness of the strike, I think I've still had like maybe some uh, not super well informed like hope and faith that things will work out sooner rather than later. But just like I didn't even in- interpret the like you know the AI positions that that way. Like I definitely s- saw them as like you know very tone deaf and the timing was like super super terrible. But I didn't take it as like a contentious threat. So like hearing your guys' perspective actually like shook me a little bit and I was like, you know, I, I know the longer this goes on, the worse it's going to be, but maybe I have had, maybe I've been a little bit more optimistic, but, uh, yeah, if, if creativity, if we see a boon in that as a result of this, uh, yeah, I'll take all the silver linings I can get. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sometimes you got to look at it. You got to look on the bright side of life. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, we have more box office talk. Let's do this. Barbie continues to dominate at the box office. This is insane, you guys. This is insane <laughs> numbers we're about to talk about. Mm. Pulling its worldwide earnings to $774.5 million. <laughs> Lord. Oppenheimer also continues to hold strong at more than $400 million worldwide. Meanwhile, the newly released Haunted Mansion from Disney struggled, only banking an estimated $24.2 million domestically and $33.3 million worldwide. This is not Disney's first time making a theme park-inspired feature film, but this has to be a concern for a movie that took... $200 $200 million to make. How much more spooky box office numbers can the media giant swallow? So the longer that this goes on and things like this happen, I think that Disney is in some serious trouble. 
And mm. maybe the rumor that they're going to be bought out by Apple might have some credence to it because their movies are just flopping, flopping, and flopping. And I saw Haunted Mansion. My husband and I went to the 21 years and older only theater to see it with a whole bunch of other adults. And it was cute and charming. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And um, so, A, people aren't giving things a chance, which is, you know, whatever. I get it. There's been a lot of ups and downs at the box office. But I, I really see this as a brand issue, first and foremost. And I think the brand is Disney. And people don't have a lot of confidence in them right now. And the more I see like their theme park commercials on TV and stuff like that, I'm just like, yeah, they're struggling. Mm. You know, when Disney bought star Wars, people were mad when Disney bought, uh, uh, Marvel people were mad because they knew it would be Disneyfied. you know, like that was just a big sure. fear. Now I think the Marvel sort of escaped some of that stank, I think for a little while, but, uh, Disney has, we've talked a lot about how a franchise is no longer a good enough reason for someone to go to the theater. You know, like people aren't just going to theater because it's the franchise they grew up on or whatever. You need something new. You need something novel. You need an experience. And Disney over the last 15 years has been doubling down on franchises has been doubling mm. instead of creating new things. Disney has been buying old franchises or like franchises that were successful and deciding to work in those worlds. And so with that change, their entire, whatever 15, 20 year strategy is, is proving to not be good. And I don't, it's sort of a chicken or egg problem. Is it like, is the, the Disneyfication of all the franchises? And then, Further than that, the Marvelfication of everything, where like everything wants to be a cinematic universe because Marvel was so successful with it, and now that's no longer special. Marvel was special because it did the cinematic universe in a in an expansive way that no one, no one had ever done before, and it's not special when everyone's doing it. Um, so you got to have something special for people, or these movies don't do well. I also think that this haunted mansion shit. Excuse me. Anchor shouldn't curse. <laughs> uh, I think it's my second one this week, man. Put a dollar in the jar. <laughs> uh, the Haunted Mansion thing, I actually think that trailer looks amazing. And Haley, you said you liked it. Um, I, I think this may be the first casualty of the strike because Barbenheimer had all this. Bar it happened right before Barbenheimer and it already had this momentum. We've talked a lot about it. How, Jay, you brought it up a couple weeks ago how they can't promote the movie because they're on strike. And I think if all, there's a ton of good people in Haunted Mansion, if they had all been on the movie circuit, I think that movie would have done at least well, but 24 million with a $200 million <laughs> budget. And, and, and part of it is getting steamrolled by Barbenheimer. And I think part of it is being a, a casualty of the strike. And that just, yeah, that sucks. Cause I think that movie looks really good. I wouldn't have gone to see it if they hadn't had it in this 21 theater that I go to. Um, and I looked and I was like, oh, it's not playing in there. Like, I'm not going to go because I'm bougie. But I <laughs> checked back a few days later and I was like, oh, they are showing it in there now. So it's I, I know they took that theater from Oppenheimer, which is interesting. So mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so interesting. And I think this is one of those movies, too. And this is the streaming of it all that people would be like, well, yeah, I think I want to see that. But. I'll watch it when it comes out on Disney Plus. For sure. See, yeah, mm -hmm. that's it. Like that, people aren't 
not interested in seeing Haunted Mansion. They're just not interested in seeing Haunted Mansion in a theater. They're, mm. I, I bet this will do great on streaming. Like, I bet whenever yeah. it hits Disney+, Plus, it'll shoot right up to the top of the streaming charts. Because it's going to hit right during spooky season. Yeah, like people mm. are going to love it then. And so yeah. I think there is a bit of, of that conversation that we've kind of had around a few movies. The Flash kind of comes to mind immediately where it, we were talking about why The Flash really flopped at the box office when it did. And there were so many different factors, you you know, you had Ezra Miller, you had the fact that it was in a dying universe, the fact that it was like, I mean, it was all these different things. Like we listed off five or sixes, all these things coming together. And I think you guys have hit them like the big ones with Haunted Mansion is it's coming out at a weird time. It's up against Barbie and Oppenheimer. It's got kind of the Disney thing to it. I don't, I don't really know who it's necessarily marketed towards either. Like if you're not like somebody who goes to the theme parks and is familiar with Haunted Mansion as the ride, I don't know if you're necessarily going out and seeing this. Like I don't, I don't know. It looks uh, like it looks kind of, it's on that border where it's like, you don't really want to take your kids if they're young because it looks like it's kind of scary, but it's like also kind of in that border where it's not really like a mature horror movie either. So it's kind of like right there in the middle. And I think all of these factors are just really weighing it down. And mm. um, you know, I mean, Barbenheimer, we don't even have to say anything about that. I mean, they just continue to kill it and they will continue to kill it. Uh, both of those movies have a cinema scores. We reference the cinema score uh, on this show all the time. It tells you, like the kind of legs a movie has Barbie and Oppenheimer, a cinema scores, Haunted Mansion B plus. And that's not good. Mm. That means that it's kind of probably going to get worse and worse over the weekends. It's not going to be like what we saw with elemental where it kind of like steadily built on itself and grew. Uh, people are saying, well, it's probably going to kind of decline. It's that $200 mm. million budget's crazy. I can't believe yeah. when you said that number, I was like, there's no way. It's because uh, of the cast. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's nuts. It makes me wonder if they kind of, like, because I, I don't know, maybe it's the world I live in and maybe it's my algorithm, but like, I haven't seen ads for it. I saw it no. because we mentioned it here on the show and I went and watched it and I was like, oh, that looks great. And I don't think I've seen an ad for the thing, um, except for yeah. when I w specifically went to watch the trailer. And it makes me wonder if like a lot of things they put on Disney plus have big budgets like this. And mm. I wonder if this movie was made it with that like Disney plus release really in mind. And then they were like, well, if we throw it in theaters, it'll get an extra $20 million. You know, it'll, it'll make an extra 50, like, or whatever. Like, so, cause it, cause it coming out around October in, in Disney plus makes way more sense than it coming out now. Up next, you guys, we have our Spotify poll for the week. Uh, uh, Jay, you looked it up. What do we get? Well, how do we do this week? We asked, are you going to see Aquaman 2 in theaters? And if you listened to us last week, you already know how this is going to go. Yes, 30%. No, 70%. Mm. Dang. So not a lot of enthusiasm out there for Aquaman. Yeah. Don't worry, they might push it back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been on, I've been on record. I'm going to say it again. Warner Brothers, if you're listening... Take the tax write-off. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. I've already paid Momoa. He's happy. Cut it loose. Oof. That's rough. That's rough. We don't need another Batgirl on our hands. <laughs> yeah, we really don't. I, don't know. I hate it when they just bury movies. I think the movies. backlash would be totally different, though. <laughs> the backlash between Batgirl and Aquaman? Yeah, at this point. Yeah. And I'm yeah. a fan of content. I'm just speaking <laughs> I'm speaking the numbers here. Yeah. He's got numbers from the, from a business perspective, <laughs> you may be right, but from a uh I just hate when they bury I, I, if they're gonna write it off, like at least just like 
release it, like like secret yeah. release it or something. I just want to <laughs> see the movie. I want to see Batgirl. Directly put it on Max. You could still take a write-off if you just lose money. You don't have to like. You don't have to not put it out and not make any. It, it, I don't understand the. I don't understand the not releasing thing. I don't understand it at all. Except I guess they don't yeah. have to pay people. They were supposed to pay, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's it's it. part yeah. of that. And and yeah, you're essentially writing it off as something that you made that's not going to make you money. So right, you know, it's if a movie's going to lose you money and you know it, like I guess that's when it would make sense. Yeah, but as far as I understand it, you can still take the write off on the portion you didn't make money. I don't know. Anyway, I yeah, I I don't know how big big studio business works <laughs> clearly clearly there's something that makes that make sense i'm gonna i told you so so hard when that movie comes out like <laughs> we all agree with you jay <laughs> i might even clip this and play it back yeah <laughs> jay's gonna start saving his prediction clips uh it's, it's actually not a bad idea like like prediction clips and like have like a predictions and and uh if they came true or not show that'd be fun you're like the joan calamezzo of multiverse news gotcha <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who that is Parks and Rec. It took me a second, but I got oh, it. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Parks and Rec. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I remember her. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Up next, we got the lightning round, you guys. And this is the part of the show where I'm going to read some stories where uh, it didn't make our main topics. And everyone on the panel gets to chime in with their names, including me, uh, to grab the story. And, and they get to respond to it. And only them, except for once in the lightning round, we each get a rebuttal. Uh, so save your rebuttal for that story that matters most to you. Up first in the lightning round, ahead of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot film, which opens in theaters August 2nd, Paramount has announced a sequel film is in development, as well as a two-season series for Paramount Plus that will bridge the two films. Scotty. Do it. All right. So I did not see Haunted Mansion this weekend, but I did see... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. And I was actually surprised when I looked at my AMC app to look at screenings. I wasn't expecting that movie to be available, but I guess they did an early screening. So I will avoid spoilers since it doesn't come out until um, officially the day that you'll be able to, to listen to this podcast. So go see the movie. But, uh, you know, I, I do think this is a little bit of an instance of them putting the cart before the horses again. But it I I think knowing that they have a direction and plan that they're committed to. Um, I like the movie. I did have some issues with it and it is pretty firmly a kid's movie. So those with kids, I I definitely recommend you go out and see it, but it had some departures from the, the mythos that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, it did set, it planted some seeds for the future. So knowing that we we're going to get a sequel film and uh, knowing some of the characters that were teased and maybe seeing, um, some of the hallmarks of t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I'm familiar with and look forward to seeing, maybe those are just around the corner. My favorite part of your response, Jay Scotty, was when you said, uh, I saw it this weekend at a preview screening, or like, I saw it this weekend and it wasn't out yet, and you were like, I guess they had a preview screening. Like, I don't know, it was funny. Like, I guess there was a screening. If you were there, <laughs> yeah. you know there was yeah, a right, screening, right, right. Jay Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know if it was like an event that was promoted to other people, because it was a pretty th- packed theater, and I just, oh. you know, I didn't see any promotional material for it whatsoever. You were clearly in the target audience. Are you A-list? <laughs> yeah. You had the AMC. So I am A-list. Yeah, sometimes yeah. there's those special screenings for just A-list people or just... I know. didn't even know that was a perk I got. So. Yeah, I, I didn't either. <laughs> Bully on me. There's apparently there's apparently some perks that you can lie and get. Like, if you're an industry person, so like 
One of my friends just marked that they were an industry person on their A-list thing, and they started getting these emails to go to see movies early. Um, Okay. And they are not. They are not. Scotty's totally an industry person. (laughs) Yeah. You are. uh, Look at my uh, subscription there and make some changes. Yeah. Check it (laughs) out. Check it out. Uh, Okay. Up next in the lightning round, brothers Donald and Stephen Glover have signed on to write Lucasfilm's Lando series for Disney+. Plus. Dear White People creator Justin Simeon was originally attached to write the series, but has since exited the project. Matt, first I have a question. This was okay. this week. It's Star Wars, not Star Trek, Matt. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I passed. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this, I'm so excited about this. Um <laughs> Me and Dave talked extensively about this last night on Star Trek Universe podcast because we forgot what podcast we were on. It happens. Yeah, it happens. It happens. <laughs> the Donald Glover of it all, his directing on Atlanta and his writing and directing on Atlanta, he has been to school. Okay. He has made like five seasons of a show where every episode was its own universe, its own little self-contained story. Yes, it's an, it's it's a show, it has the but he made so many very special episodes and they're so they break the format. And we what, what I was talking about last night was they solo. One of the reasons solo didn't work in my opinion for a lot of people. I liked it. But one of the reasons solo didn't work is you take a side character who's supposed to be a roguish side character and you make him the neutral mask. You make him the main character. You turned Han Solo into Luke Skywalker so he could have that hero's journey. And that doesn't work. Nobody wants to see Han Solo be Luke Skywalker. No one wants to see the young, uh, naive Han Solo. They want to see the rogue. And But it's way easier to write a Disney movie around the Luke Skywalker. So I think that's one of the major inherent problems with that. But what I love about this is Donald Glover has spent the last five seasons in Atlanta making stories that don't conform to the hero's journey. They're interesting. They're clever. They're poignant. They're almost every, I I love every episode of that show. I've never seen an episode that I didn't like. And um, it's just, it's just really amazing stuff. And he wrote and directed a lot of it. Um, and I just, I think as he wrote, he wrote, he wrote almost all of it, um, or whatever. I think, I think he has a director friend who's helped, who helps, who helped on that show. But, um, anyway, great, great choice. I am really, really excited for this. And I don't know if they just announced how soon, how recently did this announcement happen? It was just in the last week. Cause you know what Justin Simeon apparently also wrote? That I read while I was researching this. Yeah, I, I picked up on that as well. Yeah, he found out via social media. He he did Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Oh oh no, I, I did not know that. I, no. yeah. I think that's what I read. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think so. No, I wouldn't because be I had just seen his name, and I was like, I just saw that guy's name somewhere. He he's doing a Marvel thing. Uh, shoot, hold on. What's his? Make sure. So I don't. I definitely he, don't want to misinform everyone, but I'm pretty sure that yeah, uh, directed by Justin Simeon. <laughs> Directed, yeah. Uh, so you can see uh, why his departure doesn't seem as uh, randomly timed if that happened sure. after the release of this movie. I did see that he was not like officially notified that he found out when he saw like these these announcements, which reminded me of the instance where uh, Emma Furman, the actress that played Cassie Lang in Endgame, she kind of found out the same way that she was going to be replaced by uh, Catherine Newton in <sighs> Quantum Media. So. 
I'm excited for Donald Glover, but let's let's be better about uh, letting people that are <laughs> so attached wild. to projects know. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, next to me. next week the Multiverse News Twitter account will just tweet out something like with our three guests, and it like we'll just start cutting people out that way. <laughs> <laughs> You're out, Jay. <laughs> I'm like, did they replace me? What? <laughs> <laughs> Up next, the 2023 Emmy Awards are officially moving off their original September 18th air date amidst the ongoing Hollywood strikes. A new date for the ceremony has yet to be set. Jay, um, why are we still doing the Emmys in September? Like, do them in January, February, make it a calendar year thing, because all of the things that are up for awards are, like, season one of things, and we're watching season two of them right now. Like, I don't know. I've, I've always taken issue with the placement of the Emmys anyway, because, like, a good example is The Bear, right? Like, we're watching The Bear season two right now. The Bear season one is what's up for an Emmy, <laughs> and uh, it's just, it throws off the whole thing. So, um mm. You know, ultimately, I mean, it, it is strike related and that has nothing to do with what I just talked about. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, hot on the heels of the success of Barbie. Mattel Films has confirmed that they are expa- expanding <laughs> with 14 film properties in various stages of development. <laughs> sorry this one's got me man including barney polly pocket thomas and friends american girl hot wheels rock'em sock'em robot (laughs) magic eight ball and wishbone Haley. I was about to say, everybody get out of the way. Haley's got to talk I about Wishbone. I'm on board with Wishbone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. Definitely. I know. But I am. And yeah, these are wacky as hell. But how can they not, when they see that Barbie's going to pull in a billion dollars, they're like, oh shit, we can do this again 14 times with a magic eight ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly here for it. <laughs> I got to use my response on this one to dream up the plot of the Magic 8-Ball movie, which I picture as sort of like a psychological thriller, kind of like a <laughs> I, I Know What You Did Last Summer style uh, memento, maybe, you know, kind What's of thing, like, you know, where the Magic 8-Ball knows something that you don't, and mm. it's constantly thinking ahead of you. Like, I need that sort of like, ho- almost like a horror element to it. That's mm. that's what I picture. Like a Final Destination thing. Exactly. Like, like, like Ouija meets Final Destination. Destination, but in a, in in the eighties, <laughs> there's something for everyone in the Mattel cinematic universe. I don't They're know like, that there. You is. know what's better than a billion dollars from Barbie? How about fourteen billion dollars from fourteen <laughs> movies we're about to make? That's when exactly Rock'em Sock'em Robots pulls in a billion. <laughs> I want Polly Pocket to be like a dystopian future kind of thing. <laughs> See, but we've talked about the Barney movie, and the Barney movie is like this like super angsty, you know, mm-hmm. kind of borderline rated R type thing with uh, and uh, kind of like A24 vibe. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're going to like play around with the concepts of each one, like I'm, I'm here for that. Like bring that bring that in. Like people will go see that type of stuff. That's what yeah. they did with Barbie. They played. They took the concept and they played with it, and they um, yeah. they didn't deliver exactly what you thought they were going to deliver, and that's why people love it. And I'm I'm For sure. using my rebuttal too because I've already been talking. But like <laughs> this is silly, obviously, but it also like 
we've talked a lot about how franchises aren't working the same way. Barbie's working because it took that same nostalgia, which is powerful, and then it used it in a completely new and different way. Um, and used it in a, like, they also, I mean, Barbie embracing the Barbenheimer thing, like the Barbie cast embracing that and using it in their mark, that's a risky, weird thing to do because you're promoting a movie that's not part of your thing. But not taking yourself so seriously made this whole thing happen. Like, I really don't think it would have, I think, and, and just going to a movie dressed as a thing is so much fun. Like there's so many, anyway, we've talked about all the reasons Barbie worked, but like th- it's taking the nostalgia, which is powerful. That's why we love franchises so much. A lot of why we love franchises is that nostalgia, why it works so mm-hmm. well, but it's not doing the same thing every movie has done with nostalgia and just creating that thing, but a little cooler or a little mute the colors and put out a, an angsty version. Like it's doing different. They're doing different things. And if the Barney movie is any, any indication, (laughs) they're going to continue to do different things. And who knows, maybe this is the next, uh, maybe, maybe Mattel is the next Marvel, you know, the letters are are similar. (laughs) All right. Up next, the first trailer for Saw X has dropped. The film will take place between the events of Saw 1 and Saw 2 and will debut in theaters on September 29th. Scotty. Uh, I have seen the Saw franchise in its entirety, but uh, actually, you know what? I haven't seen Spiral. I take that back. But uh, word of mouth was not strong about that one. And I do think it was like a product that I, I can see how I've matured. In like the 10 some odd years since we had the last like official Saw movie, maybe it's been less time than that, but I've, I've matured a good deal where this, this trailer, you know, didn't really do it for me the same way that Saw used to, but spoilers, spoilers for Saw here, but the, the titular character Jigsaw, he died all the way back in Saw 3 and they found a way to keep this character, (laughs) uh, Tobin Bell's character coming back. And this really looks like it's going to be like an origin story for him. So I think it makes sense having taken time away and, and time away from his character specifically to come back to it. But it just, uh, the series always kind of strained credibility, but, uh, I feel especially so after this trailer, <laughs> I'm going to say something very short. And that is, I uh, know second rebuttal. I'm sorry. I'm breaking the rules. I'm in a suit. I get to break the rules. Um, <laughs> uh, the thing about Tobin bell that's so fascinating <laughs> is that there's like a moral side to him. Like there's a reason he's doing it that is insane, but like there's this logic to it that makes his morality work. And I think when they drifted away from him, they, they kind of lost that thread. Uh, they definitely mm-hmm. did with the guy who took over or whatever for him in like four and five and six or whatever. Um, right. But I, I don't think you have to, I think, so I think since then they keep going back to Tobin Bell and I don't think you have to do that. I think you can take that concept and have acolytes of Tobin Bell continue that work. And like, it could be just as fascinating, but they sure. haven't really done that. I, I think they did a little bit. I, I didn't see the last two. <laughs> you disappoint me. Cause I thought you were going to use your second rebuttal to talk about Saw Patrol, but nobody, did. <laughs> I thought it was going, I thought it was going that way. Too. Nobody would bring it up, Jay. <laughs> we have to bring it up on every week. It's a, it's one of our things now. <laughs> I made it one of our things. <laughs> this, this train is a is a is a going. That was not a unanimous decision. <laughs> if you haven't been on the Stranded Panda chat, uh, Jay Scotty posted a image of Saw Patrol. It's very nightmare good. fuel. Nightmare fuel for sure, <laughs> as it should be. It's great. It's great. 
Check it out. <laughs> All right. Up next, it really is like the opposite in the same way that Barbie and Oppenheimer <laughs> is. You know, it's like Barbie and Oppenheimer are like tonal opposites, but Saw Patrol or Paw Patrol and Saw are like <laughs> I don't even know. Like they don't live within the same like yeah, universe. <laughs> universe at all. Like they're not the same like class of thing. Like they're almost not yeah. you almost can't call both of those movies or something. They're like so different. They're not yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm actually really glad that Saw Patrol got brought up because it reminded me I uh, I called an <laughs> audible here and I there actually put a call out onto onto the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook page. I made the meme for Star Shrek and I said whoever had the best caption uh, I'd give a shout out to, so I want to follow through with that. And a lot of a lot of great entries that made me laugh, but I do have to go with the first com- commenter, Mister Steve West, with "Live long, live swamp, and prosper." Hashtag Saw Patrol. <laughs> you see those videos online that's like making cursed T-shirts. <laughs> that's this. Hey, I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build like. You know the mythos of the podcast here. I'm building it yeah, from the yeah. ground up. You know we've got <laughs> the Pedro, got the Pedro Pascal thing. You know we've got the Saw Patrol thing. Like we're just collect. <laughs> we've got Paddington coming down the the Pikeway. You know, like we're just building it all up slowly. Vester somewhere in there too. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I got to start writing it down. Yeah, we need the red string board. Vests connect to Paddington. Connect to. All right. <laughs> 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 embarrassed by vests. All right, moving on. Netflix is disenchanted from The Simpsons creator Matt Groening debuted a trailer for its fifth and final season alongside the announcement that the 10-episode season will release September 1st. Scotty. Yeah, so just a minor correction. It's disenchantment, not disenchanted. It's oh, not I'm sorry. The, the Disney live-action musical. <laughs> yeah, uh, but my bad. It's, a, uh, great, it's all good. It's, it's all good. It's a, uh, it's a great fantasy setting uh, series from Simpsons creator Matt Groening. It's been going on for four seasons. I think the we got the fourth season, like, it's been a couple of years now, so this has been a long time in the making. But, uh, yeah, I like the trailer. It seems like it's going to have the same level of humor um, and nods to, you know, fans and nerds of fantasy properties. And, uh, yeah, knowing that there's an end in sight, you know, Futurama just saw a revival on Hulu uh, just that just started this month, and that was like ten years after it ended for a second time. So mm. maybe we'll see future stories from Disenchantment later on, but uh, it'll be nice to get at least a finale for now. Mm. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, that's our lightning round, you guys. That's the show. That's the show. We did it. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, people in the live chat, for hanging out and listening to us yammer on. Um, we really, uh, we really appreciate y'all, and we really appreciate everybody who's been following the show and uh, keeping us going over here. So thank you so much for listening. And uh, please, yeah. if you have time, give us a five-star review. Those really impact the show a lot mm-hmm. and show our show to more people. Um, and you can share this one with your mom. I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, uh, from, from, oh, the waist up, from the waist up. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's hear where we can find you guys online. Jay Scotty. Yeah, please check out Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. Uh, if you liked what I, some of what I had to say about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and want to hear my full reaction, just put out an episode uh, that was kind of a catch-up on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well as the new season of Harley Quinn and also talking about the aforementioned Futurama revivals. So Animation Deliberation, wherever you get your podcasts. 
and Jay Sisson. Yeah, I've been I've been following the Futurama stuff. I'm I'm in season three. I'm watching it from the beginning. It's so right good, on. and uh, I've been pairing your all's podcast with it. It's been great. Like so, if uh, if you're feeling intimidated by the Futurama thing, you're like, it's like ten seasons. I can't do it. Uh, it moves quick. Like hop on. It's fun. Like I'm 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 moving through it pretty quick. So so yeah, definitely definitely check that out. But um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm over on uh, commute the podcast where we uh, me and my co-host try to throw a twenty minutes kind of like quick things you didn't know type mashup segment of three segments together uh, on Monday morning. So on your way to work, uh, on the subway, in the car, or wherever, uh, you can learn about a couple interesting things that you can talk about with uh, with people. That make you sound smart at parties or at work or whatever. <laughs> Love it. And Haley Hobbs. You can find me on Source Pages with Brian B. Klein. Next week, we're actually going to be dropping our 100th episode, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, Um, that's awesome. We read novels and comics as primers for all the geeky TV shows and movies we love. And if the TV shows and movies aren't coming out, we'll just keep reading. So if you are into that or you want to know more about the characters we all watch on TV, follow us. I'm going to need that wishbone primer. Uh, whenever um, I have a bookmark, <laughs> a book behind me. I can, I know exactly where it is. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Matthew Carroll, and you can find me everywhere on the, all the podcasts. I don't know. I'm on all of them. Every podcast. Uh, I'm sorry. Prolific. StrandedPanda.com. That's the, that's the place <laughs> I'm on all, a lot of those podcasts specifically. Um, we did just do a Loki. Uh, season two trailer reaction and I recommend watching it on YouTube because I did a bad job of remembering that there were people listening and not watching so <laughs> check out the video version of that if you would uh, I it, we always try like we're like okay now this is the scene where Sylvie's doing this and Loki's doing this and I just like kind of lost the thread and just kept being like ooh oh is that a thing ooh what's that and I realized that like after we recorded I was listening back and I was like this is not great audio so check Check it out on youtube.com slash trained to panda. This great chance to check that out and see of the video version of multiverse news there too. And we'll be back. Peace. You stay classy multiverse.